Amen. I'm going to minister a message tonight titled, Love That Compels. Love That Compels. Pastor Colton Hill, uh, a few days ago, uh, sent me a, a message. And uh, he sent me this scripture that we'll begin with tonight, which, by the way, is 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. And uh, he asked me to look into that and to, to maybe share a little something on that. And when I went to look into it, the Lord just stirred my heart and uh, stirred me to, to minister down this avenue tonight. And uh, because we're living in a time... And it's always been this way, but know this, saints, everything that even though it's always been, everything is intensifying. That's, that, that's everything. Whatever it is, if it's good or if it's bad and evil, everything is intensifying. The, the Bible even says in Proverbs 4 and 18 that the path of the just shines more unto the perfect day. Everything in this world is intensifying, whether it be the move of God or it be the move of Satan. It, it doesn't matter what it is, it's intensifying. Look overseas at what's happening. I personally don't believe that this will just come to nothing and be over. I believe this very well could be what leads up to what the Bible tells us about the last days, the last moments. And so if I were you, I'd be prepared. I'd be ready. I'd make sure I had oil in my lamp. Hallelujah. Amen. So everything is intensifying and, and you're living in... The, the Everything's always been evil in this world outside of Christ. Everything. Everything's evil outside of Christ. I mean, only God only sees good in Him. Outside of Him is evil whether you think it's evil or not. Amen. And... Everything is intensifying, and now, more than ever before, people are calling good evil and evil good. They're calling those that are walking in love unloving. They're calling, and it's vice versa. And we're going to see some things in the Word because there's where we get our leading. There's where we get our understanding. We don't base you know, uh, what we believe on how we feel or, or what they say or they say. Uh, we base on what we understand and what we believe comes only from the Word of God. And the Word of God uh, is easily understood once the Holy Spirit brings you to the understanding place. There's only one place to understand Scripture and that's the very first place that you begin to understand when God gave you eyes to see. Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom or even see it until you're born again. And the reason your eyes were opened is because you stepped into the true understanding of who God is. Proverbs 9 and 10 says understanding is the knowledge of the Holy One. And that's what you began in your born-again experience, to understand who God is. 
And so, you know, we can't just use Bible verses to suit our own way. We have to always, with whatever Bible verse that we think we're trying to make a point, there has to be at least two or three other Bible verses that confirm that. The Bible tells us that. Let there be two or three witnesses. That ain't talking about people. Let's talk about other scriptures. And you, that, that's the very reason that ho, certain, uh, uh, what are they, uh, cults and cliques and denominations start because they take one verse and run with it. But every word's got to be examined by the rest of the word. We only learn more truth by the truth we already know. Amen. We have to understand it. We get our information from the Word of God in the light of the one who is the living Word of God and what he did as the Lamb of God. Outside of that, you're going to see crooked. Outside of that, you're going to see crooked. And if you're seeing crooked, guess what's going to happen? You're going to live crooked. And you're going to call it good. But it ain't going to be good. Amen. Hmm. Let me just read this. Well, let me just read the Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. Now, let me make this point concerning this Bible verse here, and that is this. This judgment that we see in this Bible verse is what will determine if the love of Christ is indeed that which is compelling us to do all that we do. Let me read it again. This judgment, what judgment? The judgment that this one who is Jesus died for all because all were dead. What's the focus there? Calvary. Your judgment must be based on Calvary. This judgment, this judgment alone is what will determine if the love of Christ is indeed that which is compelling us to do all that we do. That judgment not how I feel. Years ago, when we were up in the corner over there, uh, I preached a message uh, called The Love of God. And in that message, the first thing I said was, love is not an emotion and it's not a feeling. And a lady got up and left the congregation. She was visiting from out of town, and Robin happened to be in the back coming down the hall, headed to the sanctuary. And that lady told Robin, there's more condemnation in there. <laughs> and Robin said, no, ma'am, there ain't no condemnation in there. A lot of folks think that love is a feeling and an emotion. It'll give you one, but so will marijuana and Jack Daniels. So will this old preacher tonight. Everything in our lives gives us feelings and emotions. Some good and some bad. Love is neither. Love is neither. Amen, Brother Curtis. Love is not how I feel. Love is somebody. 
Amen. So let me back up here and read some of this that I wrote to share with you. And I've already said maybe one or a little bit of it. Deception is so great today that one can be talking about the cross and leading people away from its focus at the same time. Individuals can be speaking of love while waxing cold from it at the same time. Iniquity can be preached against while it is abounding in the very life of the one preaching against it. What do we need then? Discernment. Where do we get discernment? In the Word. In the Word. Not some preacher in the Word. God's Word has been exalted above everything and is forever settled in heaven. I can't change it. And when I try to use God's Word outside of its righteous context, then I am adding or taking away from it through my flesh. There's only one anchor and one compass, only one place of assurance, and that is what one is actually doing with Calvary's cross in their heart. That's it. You know what I've been teaching, and I preached it Sunday. I preached it at the camp meeting. God is working death in us. That's how he works both his will and the to-do for us in us, by working death in us. 2 Corinthians 4 and 12 tells us that. So then death works in us, but life in you. This is the only avenue of clarity. These cross-preaching churches God has been raising up for years, it's not just something that men are doing. It's so that God's people can have true vision, clarity, the Word, the Word. For years, people have told me, you're just too much of a Word person. And I'll say, say it again. One of the things we'll have to come to grips with is that we can never imitate Christ. And here's where the here's here's really I believe what causes a lot of of disagreement in among those who claim they know the way of the cross because there's still folk who hadn't got past the theological correctness of it. And they're still trying to work. They're still trying to imitate Jesus. Nowhere in your Bible does it tell you to imitate Christ. But it does tell you to partake of Christ. There is the word imitate in your Bibles. Be imitators of God, but that word means follower. You can't be like God. You ever tried? I have. It didn't work. I can't imitate Jesus. Every time I try, I mess it up. But I can partake of him. And here's what happens, and, and, and we're talking about love. We're just kind of working our way into it tonight. Here's what happens when I partake of him. 
he expresses his self. See, there's nothing good within me, the Bible says, right? Nothing good in this flesh. So I have nothing that can express him. He must express himself. And he does that if I allow God to work that death of him in me, out of that comes his expression of who he is. Because I I can't imitate him, but I can partake of him. Peter wrote about partaking of the divine nature. That's the nature of the lamb. Partaking, Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. That wasn't just a one-time deal for entrance. That's what's on the table of the Lord every moment of our lives. That's what's on the table, the table of the Lord prepared even in the presence of our enemies. That's what's on the table. That's what I have to keep eating. Amen. If I'm going to see what people are calling unloving as what it really is or love as what it's really not. I mean, this is where a big issue is. You can have the message of the cross in your mind and you you, you get your Bible, you follow along. Okay, I agree with that. He didn't say anything wrong. That's all right. But submitting to this truth, not a preacher or a church, submitting to this truth to where you begin to allow God to work that death in you. Amen. Mm. That's where the message of the cross moves beyond me knowing it's right and being able to tell it, but it begins to become a part of the very fabric of who we are. A crucified people. That's who we are. A crucified people. That's who we are. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, not present your bodies a, a, a resurrected from the dead. You know, you received resurrection, power, and life to be able to live the crucified life. Amen. This message, this message of the cross has to begin to uh, just literally be the, the fabric of our being. This is, this is our message. This is our life. This is our the avenue of growth. This is avenue of ministry. It, it's everything. The cross is everything to God. Amen. It was everything to Him before the foundation of the world. And that, my friends, even before the foundation of the world was the manifestation of God's love even before it got here. The cross is the only place you'll see the love of God, at least where it comes from. You might see it in each other's lives, but you've got to be careful with that. Because Mormons can be nicer than most Christians, and we'll call it love. And they don't have the love of God because you have to be saved to have the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Romans 5 and 5. Amen. Think about love is something the devil's using in these last few moments. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, that people are going to wax cold from love. And they're going to be talking about it, though. They're going to be waxing cold from it. You're talking more about love than you are the cross. You might be in that boat. Love don't rejoice in love. It rejoices in the truth. You got this this issue of love, and it is the issue. 
It's what God came and saved us because of His love. He didn't see anything in us worthy of saving. People think that, though. Well, God must have saw something in me. No, he didn't see anything in you, honey. He had a love for you, and that's why he came and saved you. There was nothing worth saving. Matter of fact, he had to crucify us and get rid of us to make a brand new creation in Christ. Amen. But this love topic, do you know now there are supposedly churches, I'm not the judge of their heart, but they claim they believe in Christ. They, they claim they, they believe he died on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins. And now they're allowing homosexuals to come and preach in the pulpit. And they say it's not loving if you don't let them do that in your church. But see, I got a Bible that tells me what love is. And let me say this tonight. Love won't rejoice outside the truth. Let me say that better, scripturally. Love won't rejoice outside of being found in the truth. Love don't rejoice outside of truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And so we love everybody. We do. But we'll be called unloving for not letting certain individuals in the pulpit. Unloving because we won't let them in the pulpit. That's not unloving. See, there's two different views of love there. You're not loving, preacher. Because you, you won't let them preach just because they have a, a homosexual lifestyle. True. And I say, I am loving because I won't let that spirit, because that's what it is, get up in here before the people. So I see love in a different way. But I promise you, they're not going to sit down at the table with one of these. Because if we do, they're going to end up just like that Muslim that time that told me his Koran was just like our Bible. And I didn't say, bless God, no it ain't, boy. I said, I'd like to sit down and talk to you about that. And we talked for two and a half hours with the Bible laid open and me pointing and turning and showing him. And he said, oh, he's, his last words on the way out the door, well, I just can't call Jesus Lord and surely not God. I said, well, I just wanted you to know that my book ain't like your book. Wasn't nobody ugly to nobody. I love the guy, even though he's lost on his way to hell. God loves him. I love him. But God's not going to be in nothing. It is what it is. You know in the Old Testament, I was reading the other day, Old Testament was scary. Old Testament was scary. If you had an unruly son who just couldn't be beaten into order, they took him out there and killed him. Stoned him. An unruly son that would not get, would not get right. He got to go. My Lord, there wouldn't hardly be nobody left in America. <laughs> Except me and Brother Don. God got to have somebody do stoning. <laughs> no, we'd be first one stone, wouldn't we, brother? You got a Bible, and you're going to need it more than ever. Here's what I know. I can be seduced. If you think you can't be seduced, you're on dangerous ground. 
So let's look at this verse a little bit better tonight. We, we love people. L- listen, this church has a, a reputation for being loving. I never heard nobody but that one woman say anything about this church and the people of this church other than they are just the lovingest people. You go in there and you feel like you're just welcome, like you've been there forever. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So, you know, there will be people that come along that won't receive that love because they really don't know what love is. You know, the world says, well, you know how the young guys are. Well, honey, if you loved me, well, that ain't love. That's dominating control of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.14, let's look at it again. I got some definitions from the words for you tonight. You know I love to do that because it helps me out and I hope it helps you. For the love of Christ. Now the word love, I hope you, as I always say, would look it up for your own self because it's an important word. Most people don't look it up. They just, ooh, love. Love means two things in this Bible verse. Affection and benevolence. That's the picture of Calvary. God's affection, His desire to save every man, woman, boy, and girl. And His benevolence, the giving of His Son, the offering of His Son to be able to save us from our sins. That's what love is. It's affection. That's action towards someone. That's a showing of something towards someone. And benevolence, giving of something someone doesn't have to help them. That's Calvary. We couldn't save ourselves. God showed His love toward us and gave us something that we didn't have and we couldn't produce, we couldn't earn, we couldn't work for, we couldn't pay for it. He gave it to us freely because He loved us. Amen. For the love of Christ constrains us. Now, the word constrains means to hold together. I want you to think about that. When folk can't be together and they claim they love each other, something wrong, something wrong. Either ain't neither, ain't neither one of us loving the other or one of us ain't loving the other, but if we both loving them, we can be held together. Look at the next definition is to compress. The next definition is to arrest as a prisoner. And that's what happened to you. That's what happened to you. God arrested you at Calvary and made you his prisoner. Paul said, I'm a, I might be in jail because that man put me in here, but I'm a prisoner of the Lord. <laughs> I'm a prisoner of the Lord. That's who's pri- They might lock us up one day down in the county jail, and we all going to be holding on to bars saying, I might be in your jail, but I'm a prisoner of the Lord. When you're bringing me something to eat. <laughs> we prisoners of the Lord because... Because we've been arrested by his love. Think about that. 
This love that was manifest on Calvary's cross. You can't get God's love anywhere else but from the cross. Years ago, I began to teach John 3.16, God so loved the world, the world. Amen. It didn't say that. God so loved the world that whosoever would believe, how's the verse go? God so loved the world that he gave. Now, here, here comes his love for the whole world. Now, here it comes. It's narrowed to one place. His love is for the whole world. God so loved the world that he, but he'll call Calvary, gave his son. That whosoever would believe upon him would not perish, but right there have everlasting life. Nobody else gets the love of God shed abroad in their heart without going by way of Calvary. Nobody, nobody, billions have gone to hell. Billions have gone to hell and many billion more will go too. What they call love is not love because you got to have the right God to have love. Our God is love. Amen. And our God went to a tree on Calvary's hill in the person of his son. Amen. Can we put on the screen tonight? I don't have it here, but it's we, we need to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Now, see, there's a lot of people that believe the cross took place. Jesus died on the cross and they got saved. But if you're going to grow, you got to keep your faith in there. You can't, if that ain't what we're trusting in, then we're trusting in what we're doing. Because there's only two avenues. What he did for me or what I think I got to do. And that's for initial salvation or to grow. I can't grow myself. Amen. And the manifestation, that's what the word is there. In this was, man, in the, everybody say, in this. In this was manifest the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might, what? Live through him. Verse 10. That's the manifestation of God's love on the cross. It ain't manifest nowhere else. It ain't manifest nowhere else. And you might say, well, it manifests between people. If their faith is in the sacrifice, that love can be manifest. Herein, everybody say herein. Verse 9 said in this. Amen. Here it says herein, in here, is love. Not that we love God. See, that ain't what God calls love. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And here it goes again, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In the cross is love, the manifestation of love. I said something in Greenwood, Mississippi, I need to say again tonight. God is not working into us love and joy and peace and goodness and mercy and long-suffering and temperance. He's working death in us. And out of that death comes 
love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. He, those things are not being worked into us outside of his death. It's only through his death, not just because it happened, not just because I got born again one day, but because that is what I'm yielded to now. And it is a moment-by-moment fight, good fight of faith. Amen. It's only in the moments we're not trusting in that that we get ourselves in trouble. Can I get a witness? Amen. You've never been yielded with your heart to obedience unto righteousness and went out there and just did a big piece of stupid. No, you agree and you will admit the cross it did happen I believe it and I'm a Christian but there is a now there's something else that's got to take place not to get to heaven but to experience the power of the cross really the love of the cross and really and truly the faith that works by love I have to believe, I, not, not you've heard me say it over the last year and a half, we can't just be the people that say, well, of course we believe in the cross, brother. No, we have to look in the scriptures and see what happened 2,000 years ago. God is still working it into us so that his love can be manifest to us and through us. Because, listen, I can't manifest the love of God if it's not Christ manifesting himself through me. There is no love outside of Jesus. I mean, there's a pseudo love, but you get hung up in that, and you, one thing lead to another. One day you'll be standing against all the abominations in the world today, but then one of your kids or your brother or one of your, somebody that you've been close to get caught up in that spirit, and all of a sudden you change in your mind now. That's something wrong with love. Because love, Jesus said, going to be obedient. Mm. So another definition, let me, let me move on now. Another definition of this constraining, us being constrained is to compel. That's why I named the message this, love that compels. It, it draws, it, it, it holds us together, it compresses us together. It arrests us as a prisoner. But here the last definition, it means to preoccupy. You're just preoccupied by this love. But not just this love by what God did to love you. Not just the word love, not just feelings and emotions. That's how youth directors get caught up in the lust of their own flesh by taking their kids out on a camping trip and getting them smoke weed thing. You'll just feel God so much easier. Y'all know what stuff's going on? Oh, yeah. Youth pastor be taking kids out there on camping trips. God, we're going to go off out there in the woods this weekend, just get close to Jesus. Yeah, we're going to smoke a joint every once in a while, and we're going to get in the spirit, really in the spirit. No, all kind, that stuff goes on and worse. Y'all looking at me like, man, I've heard of that stuff. I've heard of that stuff happening. I heard a man told me one time, he said, he was a young preacher. He said when I was, uh, well, he, he wasn't young when he told me. He wasn't old either. But he said when I was really young and I was being mentored by a pastor, the pastor said, son, do you have a girlfriend? He said, no, sir, I got a wife. He said, well, you better get you a girlfriend too. Ministry's tough. 
See, that ain't love. That ain't love. That preacher's having a hard time loving his wife. And he's trying to teach that young preacher how not to love. Because you ain't loving your wife if you got a girlfriend at work. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. I knew a man one time, his girlfriend at work, he had a wife at home. His girlfriend brought him flowers at work. Boy, he was so tickled. Ooh, look at these pretty flowers. I said, who got you them? He said, I said, huh? He said, yeah. He, he, he let them sit out there a couple of days, and, and then he took them home to his wife. I said, boy, <laughs> that ain't love. That ain't love. Evil. We're talking about love tonight. You can't just look at something. You can't just look at something and call it love. You've got to know a thing or two. Just because somebody tell you they love you don't mean they love you. They might be trying to get in your wallet or something else. Just because somebody tell you they love you. I mean, if I come home every night and tell Robin I love her and then just eat and go back out and be gone six hours every night doing my own thing, I'm just, I'm just speaking words. It ain't really happening. It's not real. And I know, I, I know what I'm talking about. So this love of Christ, it will constrain us. But it, on, it only constrains us. It will only preoccupy us. It will only hold us together if we keep making that judgment that if one who is Jesus died for all, then all were dead. Pointing to Calvary. See, without a focus and a moment-by-moment moment striving to keep the faith of the gospel. I'm going to struggle to love folk. See, when you're allowing the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to work the death of Jesus in you, then you're not going to have to work hard to be loving folk. You're going to be loving folk. Amen. Out of that death of Jesus that don't just automatically happen in us, it, it requires our yielding to that, Romans 6, 16. It requires us yielding to that. And when we do, out of that can flow the love of God, the love of Christ, and it can keep us together. I said it all the time. A Christian man and a Christian wife if they have their faith anchored, if they exercise their faith in the very object through which God gave it to them, which is the death of Jesus, they will always be together. They might not agree all the time, can I get a witness, but they're going to be together because Jesus and His love is what compels us. It's what compresses us together. It's really what makes us one. It's what makes us one. Amen? Well, I'm going to quit. Maybe we'll take off next Wednesday night again. I got a lot more here, but we're going to stop tonight. I just want to minister this word tonight. I know the Lord wants me to minister down this avenue because there are many who would say that we're unloving. But it's only because... 
some disagreement in some area. Because if you get around us, we treat everybody the same. We treat everybody the same. We love everybody. We treat everybody the same. Man, I've been treated ugly by folk. There was one guy that blasted our ministry, blasted me, made fun of us, for probably still does. But yet he'd be going to camp meeting years ago. He's standing there once one 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 service. He just standing there, and I walked up, and there he was, right in my face. I said, "Hey!" I knew there was a problem. I knew he didn't like me. I knew he was whatever he was. I could never explain why. Still can't. But I, I was right there. All of a sudden, you know how when you walk around the aisle in Walmart, boom, there they are. You got to make a moment decision. Am I going to spit on them? Am I going to knock them out? Am I going to reach out and hug them? Or am I just going to turn around and act like I didn't even see them? I saw this guy. He was just standing right there, and I said, Hey! <laughs> he just looked at me. I mean, I was wanting a hug. Hug time! He just did. Well, I just stepped on in and got one anyway. I ain't boasting in me. I'm telling you, this message will make you love folk that don't love you. This message will make you endure. The Bible said love endures all things. But you know why love endures all things? Because it was manifest on Calvary's cross. Jesus was enduring everything that stood against him and you. That manifestation of God's love. And that love was shed abroad in your heart. That love. Not some other love. The love of Christ was shed abroad in our heart. And in spite of what they feel about us, how they talk about us, it, listen, all that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Well, it hurts me. It hurts my feelings. It's irrelevant. We're all headed to glory. Amen? You know, everybody in the church, it all has squabbles and everything. Once, when you see Jesus, you ain't going to remember none of it. It's going to be like none of it ever happened. So let's, let's just keep our eyes on the prize and love folk. Not because I tell you to. you got to look to Calvary to be able to love somebody. If you don't, you'll do good one day trying, then there come that other day. You know how it is? Boy, you did good that day, but boy, you didn't do good on Thursday. The only reason you didn't do good on Thursday is because you wasn't looking where you're supposed to be looking. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not just Jesus, but what he did at Calvary. The cross is the key. We don't need just this theology to be able to know what's right and correct everybody that's wrong. and We need this working in it. We need it becoming the very fabric of our innermost being. And when it begins to do that, you will experience the rivers of living water. You, There is no getting around. You won't be saying, where are they? God send them. When you allow this truth of Calvary to become on the inside who you really are, crucified with him and hidden the rivers of living water will flow in your life you'll understand what Jesus meant if you believe on me as the scriptures have said out of your innermost being will the rivers flow 
It ain't a slot machine. It's a guarantee. But this truth has got to become who you are so that you can love even what the world calls unlovable. Amen? Would you stand with me tonight, please? Praise the Lord. Lord, we love you tonight. We praise you. We thank you for this love that we really can't comprehend. Lord, what little bit we know about it, we look to Calvary to see it. There it was manifest. From there it was sent to us. From there it entered into our hearts, <coughs> shed abroad, gushing forth into our hearts that we might be able to love you and be found obedient before you, love each other and endure hardships as good soldiers. Endure all things that come our way just to keep marching on in the great truth of Jesus Christ and His sacrificial work on the cross. I thank you for that love being poured out 2,000 years ago on that day into every heart that will believe it even today. I give you all the praise tonight, Lord, for reminding us what true love is and reminding us that we're going to have to stay focused on the sacrifice if we're going to be able to discern between true godly love and some worldly pseudo-love. We thank you tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Is there anybody here who needs prayer? I know we already prayed, but we can pray again. If the Lord's stirring your heart and pressing upon you to be prayed for, don't ever leave if He's doing that. There may be something that He won't do until you do that, if He's stirring your heart to do that. Sometimes the Lord will take care of issues while He's communing with you, even on your pillow at night. Something might get worked out. Between. I ain't talking about sleeping now. Sometimes he asks you to go be prayed for. We just have to listen to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. He loves you. I love you. Don't forget, we're going to have some cake and ice cream in the back. Just trust the Lord.